You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. And on this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Cincinnati head coach Mick Cronin, UCF's Taco Fall, by far one of the more unique players in college basketball. He's listed at 7'6", told me 7'7". And then a conversation with Ole Miss former head coach Andy Kennedy, now an analyst for the SEC Network. We're going to talk a little SEC, talk a little Ole Miss. Always good perspective from Andy Kennedy. All right, so in college basketball... You had Zion Williamson last week get hurt, minor knee sprain. They didn't play against Syracuse. Uh, they still won the game. Was out for all but 30 seconds against North Carolina. They lost that game. And then uh, it's already been reported, as we're taping on Monday, that he will not play Tuesday night against Virginia Tech. I think at some point he will be back this season and certainly play in the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament. Not a doctor, but I think that's what will occur. Um, and then I think that's what should occur. We talked about this last week on various platforms, uh, not on this podcast. So I don't want to rehash it all, but I will just tell you that there is no question, zero, zero question that he wanted to be in college basketball, that he has improved his brand tremendously. He's made millions of dollars by going to Duke over Clemson, by going to Duke rather than being in the G League, by going to Duke rather than even getting drafted last year out of high school. Do I think he would have this kind of impact as a rookie in the NBA? No, I do not. I may be the minority. I don't know. But he has created a brand at Duke, being on television, the way he's performed on day one against Kentucky. He will get a tremendous sneaker contract. Yes, I know. He blew out the sneaker. Whether it's Nike or whoever, he will get a great sneaker contract. Tens of millions of dollars. He is a name now. He wasn't as much a name when he came out of high school. Duke, the brand Duke, will help him, really, for the rest of his career. I do think there should be a choice. I think the NBA should get rid of it. And I still only think that a small group of players will do it. Because playing on the stage in college basketball, being featured, being a kid. You know, one thing Zion Williamson told me is he didn't want to basically be a pro yet um, and live that pro-life. I'm paraphrasing here, but it's not so much fun when you're that age. You know, you want to have fun. And he's doing that. He's made a great friendship with R.J. Barrett and his other teammates. You can't put a price tag on that. He will be fine, but he will make more money, more money outside of basketball in his first year because he played in at Duke as a freshman. We can't quantify that because he didn't go out out of high school. But I'm telling you, I firmly believe it, that he will make more money. 
at some point, maybe marketing execs will own up and say essentially what they could have paid him right out of high school, what they will pay him out of one year out of college at Duke. So Duke dropped in my rankings and the AP poll after losing to North Carolina because even though he wasn't playing in the game outside of about 30 seconds, they didn't look good. And so, yes, they bounced back and beat Syracuse. But you have to judge the rankings, as we've said this a thousand times, on the way you're playing at the time. It's a snapshot. It's not the selection seeding process. So, with that being said, Duke dropped a five in my poll, three in AP. Gonzaga, the new number one overall. They were playing just absolutely dominating basketball. Virginia's only losses are to Duke, but they're still playing well. Kentucky looked great this week, crushing Auburn. Uh, North Carolina, got to give them props. They won the game. They looked fantastic. Michigan State beat Michigan on the road. They're now the team to beat in the Big Ten despite losing Nick Ward and Josh Langford. And yet Cassius Winston, he's going to be the Big Ten Player of the Year. He's handled everything. Tennessee loses in the last possession to LSU. So now we have to assess where Tennessee is. Big game this weekend coming up against Kentucky, the rematch. Before that, they got to play Ole Miss. So they got a big week. Marquette, now clearly the favorite in the Big East after Villanova lost on Sunday to Xavier. They have a rematch with Villanova this week. Villanova lost at in Milwaukee. Texas Tech knocked off Kansas. As we're taping this, Kansas Kansas State are going to play, and Kansas in jeopardy of not winning the Big 12 for the first time in 15 years. They've won 14 in a row. Amazing. Uh, St. John's looked great in beating Seton Hall. You know, Buffalo has been very steady. Uh, Wofford, these are teams you're going to be on your bracket. You're going to be looking at these teams for sure. So I want to get to my conversation with Mick Cronin because Cincinnati is a team that has received so little pub, and yet they're right there with Houston. They've got a great shot to be a team that's going to be a second weekend team again. Now they got beaten by Nevada when they gave up a 22-point lead last season, and that's still... Hangs with Mick Cronus. So we're going to talk about that. And then Taco Fall, a player that you got to see if you haven't. Doesn't need to jump to dunk. And uh, he certainly is uh, He's a great kid, great young man, uh, that I think you'll enjoy listening to him for a few minutes. And then we'll talk a little SEC basketball with Andy Kennedy. It's all coming up on March Madness 365. And now joining me on March Madness 365, Cincinnati head coach Mick Cronin. And the Bearcats, uh, for whatever reason... Uh, are not getting the national pub that they deserve. They've been in my Power 36 consistently, been a top 25 team, you would think, uh, or should have been throughout the season. Uh, but I just don't feel the buzz that we've seen in years past. And yet, quietly, 12-2, and 23-4, and four, uh, feeling like a team that's going to do something again in March. Uh, Mick, how would you assess your level of optimism with this group as we head to the stretch run of the AAC? Well, we've had a great year, and I would say this, Andy, we we got uh, guard play, and I think that gives you when you get guard play, it gives you a chance in March. We probably got the the best guard in, in the American, if not one of one of them, in Jaron Cumberland. We got two senior point guards that uh, combined are averaging sixteen points. We got some guards off the bench that can make plays. You got Keith Williams averaging eleven, so. Yeah, I think you, that, that's the key. you got to have guys making shots and making plays. And we've had that, and uh, I think that's why we have such a good record. We've been able to win close games because we get 
quality guard play and we got guards that can make free throws and make shots down the stretch of games. So it's nice to be a little bit under the radar as a coach. You feel bad for your kids though, because you know, your, your kids are the, are the ones you're doing this for. So, and so it, it's a little unfortunate. We haven't been ranked when we should have been all season, but uh, we'll have our chance here in March when all eyes turn to college basketball. So the end of the season, you, you end with a game at SMU and regardless of them not, necessarily looking like an NCAA tournament team. They're always you, – you, you've had good games against them consistently since you guys have been both been in the league. Uh, a very gritty Memphis team. And then you at, they're, you're at you at UCF. We know the problems they uh, they uh, pose. and UCF's great, man. They're great. <laughs> they're really good. And then you end playing Houston in a rematch. Yeah. And all of this is before you even get to the American tournament in Memphis. In, in what way is your team prepared at this point in the season for that kind of – and to the American heading into the conference tournament? Well, I will say this. This, this year versus last season, we played in a lot of close games, and we've had to persevere and find different ways to win games and, and close games out, whether it's making big shots, taking care of the ball, making free throws. We've had to come from behind. Where last season, we were a dominant team in the American. We were a dominant team nationally. We led the nation last year in scoring margin. Uh, so I think th- this year we're a lot more prepared to be in close battles. And that's what we're going to deal with here down the stretch, as you alluded to our schedule. You know, Memphis, uh, Penny's got them playing really well. Uh, SMU's always a grind. Every road game is. But Central Florida, I'll tell you, is the best unknown team in the country. Taco Falls playing at the highest level he's ever played at. And Aubrey Dawkins is is a pro on the wing. He makes NBA shots. So, obviously, Houston, to me, is the most underrated team in the country. So, that all helps you, though. You know, Andy, if you play good teams, you're going to play good teams if you make the NCAA tournament, which it looks like we will. So, uh, you're better off playing good teams and preparing for what's going to happen in March. You know, you mentioned Houston. Let's dive a little bit deeper onto them. What has made them uh, such a tough team to put away because teams have gotten them down, but then they come back and you can't, you know, seem to just finish them off. Their only loss was that last possession game against Temple on the road. Yeah, we had them down at Houston, but uh, when you, you here's the thing, Andy. That when you, you first of all, they got great senior leadership at the point, Galen Robinson. Uh, they, they have great shot makers on the wings, Brooks and Davis. And they have multiple bodies up front. They defend the rim with their life. Okay, they're on, obviously they're extremely well coached. Kelvin Sampson does a great job. But the difference with Houston is they bring an NBA player off the bench in Dejon Giroux. And he scored the last 11 points against us uh, to beat us at Houston. And they, none of them were a set play. And none of them were assisted baskets. All 11 points were one-on-one. He had the ball in his hands. And obviously, we're known to be a pretty good defensive team. And he just he just did us in. And they were, UConn made a comeback on him. And he did the same thing to them. When, you're, when you can bring a guy that I believe is going to play in the NBA someday off the bench at the guard position, you got real talent. And combine that with how hard they play and how well they're coached. I mean, they're, they're legitimate. And the, the nation has no clue because of obviously our fixation with, with who's going to get drafted and, and the great John Williamson, and he deserves it all. But uh, lost in the shuffle is that Houston's a tremendous college basketball team. People are going to find out. 
The one other team I want to get your opinion on, Mick, is Temple. And right now I've got them in the field. I mean, I've got four, I think, solid teams in the field. Uh, you guys played them on the road, one in Philadelphia. I just mentioned that they knocked off Houston, handing them their only loss. What are your impressions of the Owls? Well, I hope they make it. Uh, Coach, first of all, because we don't play them, so they don't have to uh, they, they're not going to have to beat us to get in. So that, 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 I'm rooting for them because Coach Delphi, obviously, Coach Delphi's a friend. He's somebody we all look up to in our league. He's a class, class act, and he's been great for college basketball. What makes Temple good, though, Andy, is their guard play. The Shiz Alston's, that, that's, Shiz Alston's a great player. Quentin Rose a great player, and Nate Pierre-Louise, uh, the third guy, is a tremendous compliment to the first two. But there's some great guards in our league, and whether it's Shiz Alston, Jaron Cumberland, the guys I mentioned at Houston, they got Corey Davis and, and Jerome, uh, but also Jeremiah Martins is playing as good as anybody in the country. But uh, I would say Temple will go as, as well as Shiz Alston goes. Obviously, I'm biased, so I would I just think they deserve to be a tournament team. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. They say the bubble's soft. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> I think we say that every year. Yeah, you know, since it went to 68, though, I think that's a prevailing thought. But uh, I just know I don't want to be on it. I don't care how soft and pillowy it might be. I just don't want to be on it. You know, a year ago, um, you weren't alone in this because uh, um, there were plenty of upsets, plenty of heartbreak, uh, no more so probably than Houston, the way they lost to Michigan. Uh, but, you know, you're lost to Nevada. Um, it's a new season, new year. It was a big lead. Uh, how much have you used that or thought about that uh, over the course of the year, especially with the guys that have coming back to want to getting back to that point and going past, you know, that round and, and sort of erasing that from your memory? Well, we always try to learn. I'm a big believer execution is the key. You know, if you don't play hard, you have no chance if you do not compete at the level you need to compete. So being a, my, my belief is an execution, we would use last year's tournament experience as a learning experience from a X and O basketball decision-making standpoint or what we did or didn't do wrong, well in a game. So giving up three-point shots when you have a double-figure lead, the analytics say in the last five minutes that there, there are certain numbers. Like if you have an eight-point lead in under two minutes, it's almost impossible to lose if you don't give up three-point plays. Uh, so that, that, you know, versus obviously with four minutes, with six minutes. So different things that we've talked about. That was, but that was really early in the season and in the off season, Because no matter what, hey, we could go win it all this year, go to the Final Four. That's not going to help Gary Clark. He'll be happy for us. So would Kyle Washington and Jacob Evans. But you're never going to be able to race something that happens. So we, we don't really – dwell or talk about that and the motivation for our kids this year should be about this year and that's all you can focus on uh, from a motivational standpoint. Cincinnati head coach Mick Cronin the Bearcats uh, 12-2 in the conference 23-4 finishing up the season at SMU home to Memphis at UCF home to Houston I know we're going to be talking about Cincinnati or at least we should be uh, nationally (laughs) certainly going forward Uh, and a team certainly that people are going to have to reckon with in the NCAA tournament. Thanks, Mick. Appreciate you having me, Andy. Thank you. Up next here on March Madness 365, Taco Fall from UCF. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Taco Fall from UCF. And Taco, you were on a bit of a tear of late uh, against SMU on Sunday. 23 points and 20 rebounds. 
uh, only two blocks, a mere mortal two blocks for you. Uh, <laughs> earlier in the week in a game against Cincinnati, you guys weren't able to, to win. You did have five in that game. Uh, you've got a monster showdown coming up uh, later in the week. Uh, college game day from ESPN will be there against Houston. Uh, so things are going in the right direction. Uh, I'm first curious, how do you feel that you're playing at this point in your senior season after an injury-riddled junior year? I mean, I feel great. Um, we're playing great as a team. Um, we're playing a great defense, too, which is helping us a lot because, um, you know, defense win championships, and uh, that's our identity. So that's that's how we need to come out with that mindset every single game. And the guys have done a pretty, pretty good job just playing great defense, and that has helped me up my game also to another level. You know, obviously you can impact the game in so many ways at seven foot seven. But the key thing for you, you know, has been A, being healthy and B, staying on the floor, not getting in foul trouble. In what way this season have you been able to stay healthier and stay out of foul trouble? Our trainers, uh, especially Jared Trom, he has done a really good job just staying with me, um, telling me what to do and how to take care of my body. He's a great trainer, one of the best we have. In the country, so I have yeah, done a pretty good job just um, helping me staying healthy. And um, I mean, on the court, like you say, I've been in South Carolina a lot in my career, so experience has helped a lot, you know, knowing when to push the shots and when not to, because um, I affect a lot more shots than I block, so just knowing how to position myself better. And um, guys sometimes come at me, and um, that's, that's usually when I pick up bad fouls and just know how to stay vertical and court. Um, so your schedule is brutal down the stretch. As I mentioned, you got Houston on Saturday. Before that, you go to your rival, South Florida, on Wednesday. And then next week, to end the regular season, you host Cincinnati, a team that just beat you guys, and then you're at Temple. So three of the final four on the road. Um, I've had UCF in my bracket. I think ultimately you guys are a tournament team. Uh, but this is going to be difficult because that's four really hard games. Uh, the last three against teams, I think, are going to be in the field. And then you've got the t- conference tournament the following week in Memphis. What do you think this team needs to do to stay consistent and make sure that you get a chance, Aubrey Dawkins as well, B.J. Taylor, Coach Jockin, Dawkins, uh, to make sure this team gets in the NCAA tournament? I mean, I, I feel like we're playing – the, the right way, the way we're supposed to play right now, even though we lost that game against Cincinnati, we had them on the rope. Um, I feel like that's a game we should have had, uh, but they came back and won the game. But like I just said, we've been, we've been playing the right way. We just need to keep playing the same way. There's, I don't think there's not, not much to change right now. Just keep the same focus and keep the same intensity for 40 minutes because, like you said, those, those are a great team and it's a big stretch coming up for us and we need those wins. You know, the game has gone away from the traditional big. Um, you know, there aren't many people, obviously, uh, your size. Um, it, it, how have you found the, the sport over the last couple of years where so many bigs, you know, they want to go outside, they want to pull everyone out, um, and yet your game obviously is right inside, you know, as close as you can get to the basket? I mean, when when you can be dominant in the pain, why well, try to step out and shoot threes? And I'm very effective around the basket. My teammates have done a great job, especially these last couple of games, finding me in the right position. Um, I know how to use my body. I know how to use my left, um, both offensively and defensively. Um, like you say, the game the game has it's trying to get away from us, but you know you you have a couple of big guys like me trying to you know show that. Um, the game needs us on both ends of, of the floor because there's not a lot of people like us that can do the things that we do. All right, on campus, 
what's the most difficult thing that you find in terms of getting around in any form or fashion, whether it's in class, uh, just uh, transporting yourself, uh, being 7'7"? Um, I mean, the chairs in the classroom are pretty small for me, so sometimes it's, it has been a little bit of a struggle, but um, my professors have been really great working with me. Some, I, I don't usually sit on regular chairs. They would like bring bring out office chairs for me to sit, sit down to. Um, I mean, obviously I have to duck to every door, but I'm used to it now. I've hit my head a couple times, and, it's, and you definitely don't want that to happen. So, um, yeah, there's, there's that, but Besides that, I mean, I'm I'm fine. I'm used to it. It's a, it's a it's a blessing. So. And what's your favorite subject at UCF? What have you found your most uh, enjoyable? Um, I'm a math guy, um, so I really enjoy that. Um, I took a couple of programming classes before, uh, a couple couple years ago. I think my sophomore year. I really like those. Um, you know, I, I like to mess with computers. So. Well, Taco, I appreciate it, and uh, I just hope you guys take care of business because I know the NCAA tournament needs you, wants you, and I hope that you can end your career on the largest stage possible. Yes, sir. Thank you. And coming up here on March Madness 365, SEC basketball analyst and former Ole Miss head coach Andy Kennedy. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Andy Kennedy, the former head coach of Ole Miss and a current SEC network analyst. And uh, Andy, a couple things here in the uh, in the SEC. Let's start off with the way the LSU-Tennessee game ended, uh, obviously in LSU's favor, crazy atmosphere in Baton Rouge, uh, and now LSU, you could argue, has a great shot because they're done playing Kentucky and Tennessee, and they swept them uh, to win the SEC. How did this happen? I think you're exactly right. First off, they've had an incredible year. Will Wade in year two has completely re-energized that program by bringing in an infusion of young talent uh, not only did they beat Tennessee on Saturday, they did so without Lamont, without uh, Tremont Waters, which is arguably a guy that would be certainly in the conversation for player of the year in the SEC. And Naz Reed, their second most productive player throughout the SEC season, does not have a field goal. Javante Smart stepped up in a huge way and had a career game on the, on the biggest stage of his young career. And I think you're right. I think they are now back in the driver's seat, having swept Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, they've got a favorable schedule moving forward. Now they've just got to finish the season strong. I think them – Tennessee and Kentucky are all teams that can make deep, deep runs uh, in the month of March. So, look, Tennessee's had a phenomenal season. Uh, They were right there to win that LSU game on the road. Their only bad game, you could argue, was at Kentucky. They got another shot against uh, the Wildcats on Saturday. How do you see that game playing out a little bit differently? Well, I think there's four games left, and Tennessee's lost two of their last three uh against tough opponents in tough environments. I don't think there's anything wrong with Tennessee. They just have not played as well as they are capable in those two losses. They have still a very, very difficult slate down the stretch. A couple of tough road contests starting with Tennessee this week uh, with a midweek game at Ole Miss, which will not be easy. And then they have, just as you said, they host Big Blue on Saturday. Uh, I still think they are built for long-term success. They have a number of experienced players who are capable of of being very productive game in and game out. And if I'm Rick Barnes, I'm not panicked. I know that uh, we've hit a little bit of a snag, but it may end up being good for them 
uh, as it relates to refocusing for a hard stretch down the road. All right, what about the Wildcats in terms of uh, their chances to win this league and, you know, make a deep run? I mean, obviously the bar is consistently to get to the Final Four. Yeah, no question. Uh, standard is high there, and justifiably so. I think they're probably playing their best basketball uh, of the year down the stretch. They, After losing that heartbreaker on the controversial tip-in at the end to LSU, it seemed to have refocused them. Uh, they came out and they, they whipped Tennessee, uh, really dominated the game from tap to buzzer. They followed that up with an incredibly dominating performance against a good Auburn team this past Saturday. P.J. Washington is playing as well as not only anybody in the SEC, but quite frankly, anybody in college basketball over the last month. They need to get Reed Travis back healthy uh, in order to be as complete as they need to be in order to make a Kentucky-like run. The rest of the league, you know, has sort of taken turns, um, you know, in those those positions of four through seven. Uh, At this juncture, I could see, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Florida and Alabama, um, you know, my gut tells me those are the four, although Florida and Alabama still have work to do, that will ultimately get into the field, giving them uh, seven. Uh, excuse me, the other one I'm missing here is Auburn, eight. Uh, actually, no, the, <laughs> get my math here. That would be eight with Auburn. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. It'd be Mississippi Those St- five, uh, which do you feel the most comfortable with getting in and which ones do you think, you know, have some work to do over the next two weeks? Well, I think the league is sitting right now just based on the landscape of college basketball with the Pac-12 being historically weak with, you know, struggling to get a second team worthy of getting a selection. You know, there's really no bid stealers to be had possibly in the A-10 or the Mountain West like like there was back in the day. I remember recently, you know, the Mountain West getting five teams in the, in the tournament and the A-10 typically getting four or five teams. Well, that is not this year. So as a result, uh, the Power Fives, if you can get to nine and nine in the SEC, ten and ten, or even eight and ten in a league like the Big Ten, you're probably going to see yourself with a great opportunity to get into the Big Dance. I think every team in the SEC that you mentioned, along with South Carolina, don't discount them yet. I think right now their their metrics don't add up. And at the end of the day, you are what your numbers say you are. But their team sitting at nine and five was still some great opportunities over their last four heading into the SEC tournament. They can find a way to get to 11, 12, possibly 13 total counting the SEC tournament, SEC wins. Then South Carolina is going to make an argument because they're going to you're going to look up and they're going to have five, six, possibly seven quad one wins on their resume, which I think is going to possibly give the SEC an opportunity to have a new record in nine teams in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, there's no question that uh, the Gamecocks will be, I think, one of the most interesting teams for the selection committee to discuss. I actually had them as uh, one of my first four out because of what they've done in the SEC. And you can't erase November and December, but you can make up for it, uh, depending upon what league you're in. You, you know what? You know as well as I do, Andy. And, and we're all trying to figure out this new formula of the net. You know, people were, people didn't really have a complete grasp of the RPI, and now this net's a complete game changer. But I, but I do think this. I think those members in that committee room that are making these selections, it's going to come down to what it's always come down to: quality wins and the strength of your schedule. And I think South Carolina, if they can finish stronger, we're going to have really strong arguments in both those categories. And before I let you go, Andy, um, you know, the school you used to coach, you know, over the weekend, I thought some of your former players, you know, really stood up and, and made a strong statement. There was a Confederate 
uh, rally on campus. Players knelt and the school supported them. Uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on just some of your former players taking you know action where it was needed and at the appropriate time. Well, for context, you know, I was in studio Saturday, so obviously I, I saw it and, and I wanted to hear, really, I, I was trying to get context like everybody else in the country. Obviously, I lived in that community for 12 seasons. I'm, I'm a native of Mississippi, so I have I have firsthand see, seen the dealings of what they were dealing with on Saturday. For context, there was a, a pro-Confederate rally on campus. They were, I don't know the gist of why they were there. But there was a hate group on campus basically promoting hate. And I think the players on that team, I don't remember exactly which one initiated because as Kermit Davis said afterwards, that was not something that he was aware of. It wasn't something that was planned. One of the kids took a knee. And then I think as teammates, it's one of the reasons that team has has surged and put themselves in a position to be an NCAA tournament team because they've been a great team supporting one another. And I think a few other members of the team in support of the, the one kid who went down uh, supported him. Uh, but it was basically, you know, again, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, I'm a guy that, that likes to stand for the flag and, and for everything that that represents. But I completely understand uh, him taking that moment and, and those, te- those team members taking that moment to bring attention to something that was negative that uh, was happening on their campus, and it was not something that uh, Ole Miss had anything to do with outside infiltrators trying to stir up controversy, and uh, I believe that was the genesis of it. Yeah, no, I thought it was a strong statement and the right one. You know, everyone can always debate how you protest, but to make sure that people were aware that that's not going to be tolerable on any campus exactly. on, uh, down at Ole Miss. Uh, Andy, you're doing great work for the SEC Network. Uh, we'll be watching you this week. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Andy. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes and all our NCA.com and March Madness social media platforms. We're going to have a bracket on Tuesday on NCAA.com and March Madness. We'll have one week following Tuesday following Tuesday of Champ Week, and then Selection Sunday. It's going to be here before you know it. Appreciate everyone's input online, when you do chats and everything else, and downloading this podcast, listening to what we are providing, and covering the sport of college basketball. Thanks for listening. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.